Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so excited that you are here. My name is Amanda Joy Loveland, and I am your host for this podcast, Leaving Religion and Those We Leave Behind. This is for sure a passion project and something that's very close to my heart and something I never thought I would be doing. We are sharing our stories of why we left religion, what we've learned through it, and how we moved through it with as much ease and grace as possible. This is a place of community and gathering and is not a place for bashing. So I am excited to welcome you to the conversation and welcome you to my show. Well, welcome. I am sitting here with Chris Shurian, and Chris is someone that I am just getting to know. And I actually we we met for the first time just a few months ago. Yeah. And instantly, I was like, I I like this guy. And then oh. my good friend Jessica said, "You need to have him on your podcast." So here we are. Here awesome. We are. This is exciting. Might yeah. be a little nervous. Maybe not. We'll see. You know, everybody that comes in says they're not nervous, but they are. And there's always a little bit of that because you're talking about things that are really vulnerable. And there's, I think there's that natural fear when we're talking about something vulnerable that what are people, how are people going to react? And if I say something wrong, quote unquote wrong, you know, anyway, it's just kind of an interesting, interesting topic. But we talked a little bit before this, but I don't know any of your Mormon story. Yeah, it's a good story. Well, let's hear it. This is why we're here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, thanks. This is great. I'm glad you're here. Were you born and raised in Mormonism? Uh, no, actually I wasn't. Oh, really? Yeah. So, um. Uh, you know, I was born in California, Southern California, uh-huh. uh, didn't have any religion in our family. My, my parents divorced when I was about eight, spent most of the time with my mother, but I was my father's oldest son. So, uh, you know, he would come in and, you know, take me for a while. But, um, anyways, when I, uh, so we didn't have religion. I remember going to maybe a summer camp one time that was at a church and that's about all I knew about anything. But when I was uh, 12, my father decided to retire from the uh, radio business in LA mm-hmm. And, and moved me off to Montana. Wow. So I would have gone to a high school of about 4,000 kids in Southern California. Mm-hmm. And I ended up in a high school of 120. <laughs> the whole high school had 120. Whole high school, yeah. Ninth oh, through 12. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was awesome. So everybody knew everybody. Yeah, yeah. So I was the California kid coming in to eighth grade. and um, So probably pretty intriguing to a lot of the girls. It's a California well, kid. Yeah, let's just say that was a thing. I'm sure it was. Your blue eyes. Maybe, maybe. But I'll have to say the Montanans don't like the Californians coming into town Mm -hmm. because there are a lot of them coming and buying property and buying land and buying ranches. And so I'll have to admit that the only uh, advantage I had and what really saved me moving into Montana is I played football and I could fight. Oh, yeah. Because the Montana boys want to see what you're made of. Hmm. So the first couple times they wanted to test me, it worked out pretty good for me. And, and then I signed up to play football and it worked out pretty good. That's awesome. Graduated top 30 in my class. <laughs> Smart ass. Yeah. How many, how many kids were in your class? 34. 34. Right. So you were in the bottom five? <laughs> hey, top 30, top 30. Well, they had shop and you know, I was good there. Oh, good. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. So, uh, so anyways, back to my Mormon story, um, graduate high school. Uh, in Montana, I was 17, 18 and immediately moved back to California. And, um, and the funny thing is, is throughout my life, uh, there were several members of the Mormon church who were kind of placed in my path. Mm -hmm. So when I was 10, for example, or even nine, uh, we had a neighbor who lived down the street who was, uh, I just, he was Mormon. I didn't know anything about him, but I just knew he's Mormon. He was about five years older. He was friends with my older brother, my older half brother. And, and, uh, and I just thought he was the coolest guy. Mm-hmm. 
And he was big, tall, blonde hair, blue eyes, great athlete. And I thought, wow, Mormons are pretty cool. Yeah. And, um, cool. and so, and he was just a good guy. Like if I was walking down the street kicking a can and he was out working on his car, you know, he'd take the time to just say, Hey, Chris, what's up? Mm-hmm. When most of my brother's other friends were like, you know, let's go chase Chris down and rub his face in the grass. You know? <laughs> so there was something different about John, about John Peterson. I could probably say that out loud, but. He lives here in American Fork now, actually, oh, and uh, and he um, he refs football, youth football, and every once in a while, when I go to my son's games, there he is. Yeah. So John Peterson was put in my path when I was about nine or ten, and that's about it. Yeah. And then um, even after I moved to Montana and would go back to California to visit my mom, I would go over to John Peterson's house to see if he was there. And I remember I went over there one time, and his mom said, "Well, no, you know, he's not here." I'm like, "Oh, well, when's he be back?" Well, in two years. Oh. <laughs> I'm like what and she said well he's in bogota colombia and he's a he's being a missionary and and that just was so foreign to me i yeah. had no idea what was going on i thought okay so two weeks later i went back over there and i'm like is john here you know, i didn't <laughs> understand this whole mission thing but john was a good guy somebody i looked up to who mm, i thought was cool. cool and um so then i moved to montana and uh and lo and behold uh i think the summer before my maybe sophomore year of high school uh, I was at the county fair with my pig, <laughs> 4-H, oh, and yeah. I had a pig. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, we'd go to the county fair, and you show your pigs, but it's mostly like just hang out and see the other kids from around. And <laughs> and I went to the, the dance that night, and there was a girl there, really cute gal, who just swept me off my feet. I was Twitter-pated. She even gave me a little kiss, and I was like, whoa, this is love for sure. <laughs> and you were 18? No, I was in Montana and I was probably 11 or 12. Oh, okay. I was just, no, I was probably 13. Okay. okay. So right early high school. Okay. And, uh, and so for my high school, the next three years, we kind of, she was from a town about 40 miles away. And so for the next three years, we would, I would go visit her. She'd come over. She had cousins in my town and we mm-hmm. kind of dated for three years mm-hmm. and she was Mormon. Her whole family, great Mormon family, great family, great mm-hmm. people, owned a big ranch. And, uh, she was just a great, great person and i would go over to their house on the weekends and um you know we weren't allowed to go out on sunday or whatever and and then she explained to me that well every she said twice a year we kind of get sunday off from going to church i'm like okay that's interesting right and so you know why don't you come on one of those sundays and we'll go ride horses or whatever and i'm like okay didn't make any sense but cool so yeah so she was in my path she was put my path when i was in high school and Mm -hmm. and she was a really great person and, uh, and I knew she was Mormon. And so, so far in my life, I, at that point, I had met two people that were Mormon and I really thought they were great people. Yeah. And then, um, I graduated high school, moved back to California and, uh, I'm down in California going to college. I've got a job just trying to figure out what I'm do with my life. I didn't really have a lot of direction, just worked hard and, you know, tried to figure out what life was all about. And, uh, and I met this kid, uh, named Brandon Wells and, uh, and no kidding, Brandon Wells is Mormon. <laughs> but Brandon Wells was a, was was exploring, you know, trying to figure out who he wanted to be, and and so he would hang out with us. We'd go partying, and Brandon would hang out. And sometimes he'd have a drink, but most time he wouldn't. And and he was just a good guy, and we liked hang out with him. And and um and and we all everyone liked Brandon. He wasn't uptight. He was just a super cool kid. He had a great family, and I spent a lot of time with Brandon. I'd go to the I'd play on the church softball team and I'd go to the church dances. And then one time he invited me to the steak center and I thought, Oh, 
you guys have a church and and they have steak. Right. That's yeah. what everybody would think. Yeah. Steak center. Yeah. Steakhouse. Well, I went to the steak center. It was a little disappointing. There was yeah, no steak. Like yeah. son of a. Um, so Brandon Wells. And uh, next thing you know it, um, Brandon decides he's going to go on a mission. And uh, he's getting ready to take off. And uh, he wants to do a road trip before he leaves uh, for his mission to Independence, Missouri. Mm, and Brandon had relatives in Utah and relatives in Idaho and Wyoming. And, and so we jumped in my little truck and we took off for about a week. And we drove up here to Bountiful, Utah. And uh, they had a really good family friend who was um, also a, was a convert to the church. And so we stayed at his house one night and he told me all about his conversion. He told me how he joined the church and went to Rick's college and, and really gave me this great story. And I, and he's just a cool guy. And I was like, well, that's cool. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> then we left there, um, went up to Idaho. I'm missing somebody here. There was, there was a couple people that were very influential in my life that on this little road trip, uh, Anyways, went to went to Idaho, and uh, his cousin had just got home from a mission to Toronto, and I mean, got home like a week before. So we went over there and visited him, and got to, you know, say hi to the family and hung out, and and you know, once he found out I was kind of you know investigating the church or whatever, I, I kind of skipped a part actually. I need to go back. I skipped something. You're totally fine. Yeah, it doesn't have to all be linear. It's all part of your. Well, I'm story. really good it's at telling fun. the story, so I'm you are good. Bum that I skipped something. But prior to going on this road trip, um, you know, Brandon and I were hanging out a lot. And I was, like I said, going to the softball games and playing softball and going to dances and so forth. And and I was keeping in touch with this girl in Montana that I dated. And uh, and at one point, we were on the phone one time talking. And she said, hey, because I would tell her about these activities we'd go to. And I was like, this is pretty fun. This is pretty mm -hmm. cool. And she said, well, don't get mad at me, but I sent your name and address to the missionaries. The missionaries. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, cool, yeah. whatever. So then I told Brandon, I said, Brandon, the missionary is going to come over and talk to me. And he got all excited. And, mm -hmm. and uh, so the missionaries came over and they did talk to me. And, and they'd, they'd come like once a month and teach something. And I, you know, they asked me to read out of the Book of Mormon. And I, I would never read. I just wasn't a reader back then. And, and anyways, uh, you know, the missionaries were great. And they, they taught me some things. And, yeah. and um, then we go on this road trip and I meet, I meet Steve Story, who... Uh, is the founder of Stevens Gourmet Hot Chocolate. Oh, cool! And one of the founders of uh, Tisha Noni. Yeah. And he told me his story, and I just, I just thought he's the coolest guy, and I really liked what he had to say. And then we went off to Burley, Idaho, and met uh, Dane, who is Brandon's cousin, who is uh, still a good friend of mine, lives down in Spanish Fork, and um, you know, he told me about his mission experience, and um, and then we're road tripping back, we're road tripping back, and. Um, and we're driving through the desert and it's night, two in the morning, Brandon's sleeping, I'm driving. And, and, and all of a sudden this voice comes to me and says, Chris, you need to go home, get baptized and go on a mission and go to Rick's and go on a mission. Wow. I mean, it was like a thing clear yeah. as day. Like Chris, you need to get home, join the church, go to Rick's and go on a mission. And I'm mm. like, wow. Okay. So I woke up Brandon and said, Brandon, Guess what? I'm getting baptized. I'm going to Rick's. And I'm going on a mission. And no kidding, I got home, and two weeks later, I was baptized. And a week later, I was at Rick's College. Wow. And then about a year and a half later, I went on a mission. Where did you serve? Brazil. Mm. And um, 
and I'll have to say, uh, two of the best decisions I ever made in my life to join the church and go on a mission. Hmm. Um, Why is that? You know, it, it gave me such a great path and gave me direction and, and pointed me down this road that was really good for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was trying to do college and wasn't sure. I kind of wanted to play football in college, but I was kind of afraid to play football in college. And I was working and I had a good job, but I just didn't really have a lot of direction. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, and joined the church, did that. So I did. I, I got home, uh, got baptized, went up to Rick's College, um, was roommates with Dane. He was like my big brother, totally kept an eye on me because, you know, I was a, I was learning how to be a Mormon, Yeah, you know, so he would kind of help me out and, you know, tell me things I shouldn't be doing or things I should be doing. It was pretty entertaining. It was pretty awesome because not only was Dane there, but his little brother was there as well. And he and I both were kind of, you know, spreading our wings a little bit, but yeah, it was cool. So, um, yeah, two of the best decisions I ever made. Mm, And, uh, you know, I, I went on a mission. I went to the MTC, uh, learned some Portuguese, but what was really interesting about my MTC experience is that um, I was learning as I was learning. Like I'm learning oh, how yeah. to teach people about the church, and I'm sitting there thinking, "Oh, wow, that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Or, I didn't know this. I didn't know that." And and uh, and I went to Brazil, and you know, when I joined the church, it was impressed on me that I that I had to follow the rules, you know, and and you just you do what you're told, and you'll be blessed. Mm-hmm. You do what you're told, and you'll be blessed. So <clears throat> I was in MTC and. I followed every rule. I mean, I was just like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it right. I was 21 years old. And uh, so I went to Brazil and, man, I applied myself and had a great, great experience. That's awesome. Um, Yeah, I loved it. Loved it. And then, and kept the rules. Like every rule, if there was a rule, I kept it. Hmm. And and I have some great mission experiences. But, uh, you know, and then I got home. uh, Got home on May or June 1st and got married on September 23rd. Oh, wow. You know, you got to get her done. Right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and uh, because, you know, you can't come home and mess up and have sex and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you're all screwed up. Right. Yep. Um, so I did it. You know, there was this great gal uh, who was just a tremendous, great member of the church, great family and very, very committed and dedicated to the religion. And, uh, and she was, you know, they always tell you, you got to find that girl who's just going to drag you up to the celestial kingdom and you know <laughs> i'm like okay great <laughs> and uh and yeah she was a great great gal and we were married for 23 years and um you know during that 23 year period we were uh very very active in the church and she still is mm-hmm. um but i always felt a little bit like um i wasn't i mean as much as i enjoyed it and as committed as i would and and, and as active as i was i always felt like i was maybe uh fighting my natural self a little bit. Like I just wasn't myself, mm-hmm. but I did it and it was great. Um, you know, I served as young men's president a few times as elders quorum president a few times and stake young men's president. And I was in a, you know, as a ward clerk and a bishopric and, um, I, you know, I served, I served a lot and yeah. it was a great experience. Mm. And then I had a little bit of a, uh, a, a moment. I had a journey. I had a, I had a little, I don't know how to explain it, but I kind of went through this process of, of kind of changing the way I think a little bit. Was there? Do you recall if there was just a new thought that came in, or something that had happened to kind of tweak your thinking? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so in about two thousand eight, uh, and I know that doesn't give any perspective at all, but uh, I started jogging, 
and exercising. And then uh, I, I got into triathlons. And so I started doing the swim, bike, run. Mm. And th- these are things that I'd never done in my life before. I was never really a, an endurance athlete. I was, mm-hmm. you know, a football player and a lifter and, you know, but I started running. And and then um, I decided I was going to do an Ironman. Mm, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good for you. Yeah. And so I started training for an Ironman. And, and I'll have to admit that it was that Ironman training experience that really uh, – gave me a lot of time to think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you're training for an Ironman, you know, you're doing things that a lot of people don't want to do with you. I mean, I had a lot of friends that were cyclists, that were runners, that were swimmers. I had a lot of friends that were triathletes. But when you are going to go train for an Ironman, you know, you're going to go ride your bike for 80 miles and you're going to come home and run 10. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of your friends are like, well, we'll go ride with you, but we're not going to run. Or, you know, call me when you're going to do the run because we're not going to go ride. So it's a very individual sport and you spend a lot of time alone and in your mm-hmm. mind. And, um, and, and then I started doing things that I never thought I could do. Like my triathlon coach would say, okay, Chris, uh, this week I want you to go run five miles and it'd be like, okay, great. No problem. And then Chris, I want you to go run eight miles. And I'd think, well, I've never run eight miles before, so I'll go run eight miles. And then he'd say, okay, I want you to run 10 miles in the next week. And you know, you're doing these things and you're pushing yourself to this limit and learning that you can do things that you never thought you could. Mm-hmm. And so it was during that time as I was training and, and, and kind of analyzing who I was and, and looking at my relationship with the church and why, why I was going to church. Um, and then I started thinking about my relationship with God, Heavenly Father. And, you know, I had kids at that time and and so it was during that time that I kind of started thinking about that and started thinking about how the church does what it does and and what they teach about Heavenly Father. And and during that time, I felt like I gained a stronger relationship with Heavenly Father, and I started to better understand or think about that relationship. And the more I thought about that relationship that an individual can have with their Heavenly Father— I kind of started doubting the church and thinking, well, if I'm if I mean this much to my heavenly Father, then some of the things that church teaches just don't compute. Mm-hmm. They didn't really line up for me. Um, and the way I looked at it is, you know, I had kids, and I know what kind of relationship I have with my kids. I know how I feel about my children, and I thought, man, you know, I'm an imperfect human, and if I love my kids that much, and my kids could really just do. I would do anything for my kids. Mm-hmm. And what would my kids have to do for me to just push them away and not want to be with him? And I thought, there's nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I figured, you know, and here's our Heavenly Father whose love is perfect. He doesn't judge me. He loves me. I mean, his love for me is greater than anything I could ever experience for my kids. So how is it that I could go, you know, drink a cup of coffee and have him say, you're sinning. whoa, yeah. you're out? Mm-hmm. Or... Uh, you know, some of the other things that Mormons would consider a sin that maybe the, you know, a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. And that just wasn't computing for me. And then I started thinking about, you know, why do I get up every morning and put on a suit and go to church and do what I do? And I felt like a lot of those things I did, I was doing to impress other people. Mm-hmm. Or I was doing it because I was told this is what you're supposed to do, even though I didn't really want to do it. And um, and so, yeah, my my perspective on things changed quite a bit from that point. And uh, I don't know where to go from here other than it was, it was a little bit of a journey. 
Yeah, no kidding. Well, it sounds like you started asking the questions. And I think that that's what's fascinating really about any type of journey. When you start really asking the questions of why am I putting on a suit every morning? You're starting to, because when we disrupt the norm, right? It's been your norm for however long and it's just become habit. But then you start asking, wait a minute, what is my motivation for why am I doing this? I think it's a really beautiful, that's that's a beautiful part of your journey that um, so far I haven't interviewed anyone else that's had this type of a journey, which I think is really, really cool. So how many years did that last that you were kind of in this questioning phase? You, ta- you said 2008 was when you started doing these triathlons yeah. and, and training for the Ironman. So... Um so it was probably about 2000. So, so 2008, I started training. It was about 2010 when I really started going through this process of reevaluating why I was doing what I was doing, why mm-hmm. I, I was living this particular life. And another part of that is, and I, and I have to be very careful here because um, I was married to a, a, just a, a wonderful human being. Mm-hmm. You know, she is just a, she was a great mother, a great wife, and a very committed member of the church. And, and, uh, and so I, I don't want to, disparage her at all mm-hmm. because I still think she's a great person and, yeah. and she is she's the mother of my children and, and uh, for 23 years we were married and, and she gave me everything she had and so as I but there was one thing always missing um, when we were getting when we were engaged and getting married you know there's this there's this checklist of things that you're supposed to find in a good a good wife and and man she checked every box but the thing was is I, I never really was in love with her and never really was completely attracted to her mm-hmm. other than I just knew that this is the person that, that one marries to get, you know, yeah. Dragged to heaven. Mm-hmm. Is it dragged or drug? Either one. It works. <laughs> Everyone knows what you mean. Yeah. And so, but I gave her everything I had for 23 years and did everything that she wanted to do. I mean, it was a thing where I'd come home and, 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 you know, she was in charge and we just did it. And, um, and her life is, the church. I mean, it's yeah. like she is, you know, she is a hundred percent committed and, and it's a great place for her. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is. And for her, it's, it's black and white. There's no gray area. Mm-hmm. And so part of this, this, this journey I went through was evaluating my marriage, mm-hmm. which is a hard thing to do. Yeah, it is. And, uh, and so at the point where I decided to leave my marriage and, you know, go find someone that really, hit me on all eight cylinders, someone mm-hmm. that I could be completely attracted to and madly in love with and who I could just do everything with. Um, the church kind of went with it yeah. because I was analyzing that and then analyzing the church and it all kind of came to a head in about, uh, 2012. I was going to say, I bet money it's 2012, 2012 energetically, there's something happening in that year. So a lot of people, had some sort of a life-altering change. I left my marriage and the religion in 2012 as well. So there's something we have in common. Yeah. So uh, my ex-wife, of course, uh, blamed it on the Iron Man training. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. She hates Iron Man, still hmm. hates it. Um, That's interesting. And it was tough. You know, she I turned her world upside down. You know, her yeah. whole plan was the eternal marriage, and, and, uh, and I know I did that to her. Um, but it's just, I just felt like I had to do something different and had to go down my own path. Now, just because uh, because we're friends now, I just yeah. have to say there's two sides to everything. So she chose into that as much as you did. Just like, you know, she's not a victim to that. That was part of her path as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and once again, I felt like as I was going through this process, I had a very strong feeling that this separation and divorce would 
be good for my kids. Yeah. A lot of people don't understand that, but I had a very strong feeling that this would make my kids better mm-hmm. and stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, because, they, you know, we all grew up in this little bubble. My kids were sheltered. We just did things a certain way. And, um, and I felt like it would be better for, for me. Yeah. You know, absolutely for me. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I, it, was a big, it was a big jump. It was a tough jump. So how was the aftermath of leaving religion? <laughs> and because this is leaving religion, I mean, you can group it all in, but how was it? Because, I mean, you ripped the carpet from underneath you in all the ways. So your foundation was gone. Yeah. And, you know, along with that was 98% of my social circles. Yeah. You know, you know, your friends are just all in that place. And not because they didn't want to have anything to do with me, but it was awkward. They didn't mm-hmm. know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, Chris left and he left the church. He left his wife. You know, we got to get him back. We got to get him back. We got to get him back. So it was, it was hard on a, on a social level. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'll have to admit that, you know, you and I have a common friend and it was her and her family that were a huge part of, of, you know, Chris, we just love you for who you are, mm. you know, so we don't judge and, you know, you're fine. Come over, hang out with us. Cause yeah. you know, we're here for you type mm-hmm. of thing. And, uh, and that was, that was a huge, huge help yeah, because just to walk away from, from a marriage of 23 years, my kids didn't understand, Yeah, I you know, know, they were praying for me to come back and, uh, and that's hard. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but yeah, it was tough. It was tough. Yeah. You were going against the grain in many ways. Yeah. And that yeah. is hard to make those those choices, but it's it's one of those things. What I've loved about your story too is when you feel the answer, you feel like you're supposed to do something, you do it. It's pretty impressive. You know, I've I always beat myself up, especially on the mission too, because you know you're taught you got to pray and you get answers. And you know, I I didn't think I was getting the answers the right way. I was always feeling like I say a prayer and you know I should just stay there until I get the answer. But what I've learned over time is that my answers just come differently. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I felt like too, once I left the church and left that situation, I, I've actually felt, I feel more open and more inspired and more open to that voice. And I think I hear it. Mm-hmm. It's louder. It's, it's weird. It's, it's, it's still there. Yeah. You know, it's still there. I'm being told it's not, I'm being told that I won't have that anymore. I'm being told that, you know, I have to pray more and read more and do these things. And I remember the, the bishop sat me down, uh, when I, you know, made my decision and a good friend of mine, great guy, and he just said, Chris, you need to pray, read, and go to the temple. And trust me, it'll, it'll change. Mm-hmm. And I said, Bishop, I've been doing that for 23 years. So I, I think I have a credit built up. And I've been doing that. I've been reading and praying and going to the temple. And I've been faithful. And I've been doing all the things I've, I've, I was told to do. And I'm still here. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if doing it more is going to change anything. Yeah. So here I am. So uh, talking a little bit about the aftermath, you were grateful that you had a friend, some friends that brought you in. What happened with the relationship that you had with Heavenly Father? Did it die? Did it change? Is it still? What What did that look like for you? You know, I still believe that He is my Heavenly Father. And uh, I believe that He just loves me more than as much or more than I love my own children. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're humans, so we can be a little judgmental. We can be a little sometimes with our kids yeah. uh, and I also believe that he has put me on this earth just to live my life and deal with it however I might have to deal with it I don't believe that he throws obstacles at me I don't believe that he you know 
you know, it's, it's just weird. It's like, you know, you, you live life and life just happens. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to cope with it however I can. And I think he's cheering for me. I think he's my number one cheerleader. Well, number two behind my wife. <laughs> but I think he is. I think he's watching me like we do with our kids. I mean, I watch my kids go through life. And I can see sometimes, you know, the hard part, but I can't save them. Yeah. I can try and give them some little pointers, but they just have to learn it for themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I still feel like he is, uh, he's the man. So you feel like that relationship has grown? Yeah, I think it's grown. Um, I think it's evolved because I think I've, I've spent more time thinking about what that would be, what, what this relationship looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe in Satan. Mm-hmm. I think that's just made up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because okay, I'm a father. I've got kids, and if there's some creepy dude lurking around my family trying to tempt my kids to do bad things, I'm not going to let them hang out. I'm mm-hmm. not going to let them stick around. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't feel like Satan is this person that heavenly father says yeah go get them you know i I don't believe in that one bit let's go see if they'll give in yeah go go make that kid's life miserable oh he had coffee you better go get him get him good (laughs) and i joke about the coffee thing but you know there's just things that just well that usually is one of the first like oh my gosh i'm gonna go get my cup of coffee or you know (laughs) it's like yay as i have my coffee on the (laughs) table i have some sort of water it's great water it's It's filtered out of my machine looks good to me tastes good too well that's good yeah So as you were kind of rebuilding your world, do you feel like, especially looking at where you're at now, which nine years down the road, looking back at kind of where your life has shifted and the trajectory that you were on versus where you're at now, um, can you talk a little bit about that? Like where even business-wise, professionally, in, in your relationships, you are newly married, right? How long have you guys been married? A year. We, we're a COVID marriage. Wow. We got married 5, 15, 20. Wow. Numbers thing, you know, I don't know. Um, I met, we have really odd similarities. I met my husband I'm married to now. Our first date was on 5-15. So really 5-15-15 too. Anyway. Right, so it adds up to a lot of 20s there. Yeah. Or whatever. I don't know what 20 is, but yeah. So uh, yeah, we got so married during the COVID and it's been, it's been great. During the COVID, the COVID And era. people actually showed up. Yeah. Whoa, yeah. Well, I'm not surprised at that. Yeah. But yeah, can you speak a little bit to that as far as because there's there's one of the things that I've talked about, at least in my friend circles, um, especially when you step out of religion and something that's so ingrained in this in in the systems, it's, you know, oh, you're never gonna be happy if you leave the religion. You're gonna have heartache and hardship after hardship. It just you know, that's one of those beliefs that most members that are still in the religion, not all, carry. That, oh, Chris must have been just having some sort of a mental breakdown, mm-hmm. some sort of a midlife crisis. Yeah. You know? I, I listened to a couple of your podcasts. I think I told you that after I was invited. And I, I listened to a couple of them. And I think it was on one of them where you said something about how, you know, you had some struggles and some challenges in your life after you left the church. And you were like, oh, what are they going to think? They're yeah. going to be like, oh, look, see, if you didn't leave the we church, you wouldn't right. have these challenges. right? And that totally resonated with me. Yeah. And uh, it's funny because it's, you know, you do something for 23 years and, and you think a certain way for 23 years. It's hard to it's hard to get it out. Mm-hmm. Right? It's really hard to get it out. Um, so I had to remind myself, you know, during the 23 years or 25 years I was a member of the church, I mean, I was pretty faithful. I was really faithful mm-hmm. and committed and did everything I was supposed to do. And I had challenges. Yeah. Right and and I would you try. had challenges in the church too. I, well, hey, you know, what? Easy. And you did all this the just things? in. This is top secret stuff. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had failures in business. I had I had 
you know, I had struggles and, and there was times when I would pray, try to pray these struggles away or whatever. That's a good yeah. pray these struggles away. Yeah. We should put that on Pinterest. I, we like should make, make a, a t-shirt out of that. Or we could just pray the struggles it or whatever. Yeah. Pray your struggles away. <laughs> but I still had struggles, right? You need to make a, a gif out of that. I, I, yeah. I like gifts. <laughs> I know. My you. wife makes gifts actually. It's pretty oh, awesome. Oh, well, there you she's, go. Yeah. She's quite talented in that area. <laughs> um, so when we have gift wars. She always wins because she like oh. put my name on it. Oh, like, snap. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. People can't figure out how she does it. It's pretty awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And just for everyone listening, um, his wife, your wife, Rachel, is sitting here in the room with us. So that's why she gets is getting brought into the conversation a good amount. Right. And I haven't I haven't got the look yet, so we're good. Oh, is that why is that why you're here? <laughs> <laughs> to give him the look. Well, you know, if I say something stupid, she'll give me the you know, but we're good. So far so good. Yeah. <laughs> and she's heard this story a lot. You know, because we're both, you know, we, we we share a lot in common. But one of them is we both were members of the church, and we both left, and we're not haters at all. I mean, you'll never hear me bash on the church. I'll defend it actually, because yeah. there's a lot of people that say stupid things against the church that just aren't true. Yeah. Right. And so I've even in the last nine years, I've been known to defend it and say, look, that's not really how it is. That's not really what they teach. And you know, I'll, I'll help people understand it because I'm a fan. I think the the Mormons do a lot of good. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of good. Mm-hmm. And if my youngest son wants to go on a mission because that's what he wants to do, then you know what? I'm going to support him. I'll pay for it. And I'll I'll teach him everything I learned on my mission so he can have a great experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still think there's a lot of good there. Uh, is there. Are there some weird things? Well, yeah, there's some weird things. There's some peculiar things. There's some things they do that other religions don't do. But whatever. If, yeah. if someone chooses to be a member of the church, then let them do what they want to do. Let them do it. Mm-hmm. You know, if they choose to do it, then fine. Yeah. That's how how I feel. When you were going through the divorce and you had both those aspects of leaving religion, going through the divorce and having kids, how was your ex-wife with with all of that and the integration of now we're divorced and trying to share the kids and custody, but now you're no longer Mormon? Was she, because was your your family, I assume, is not Mormon? Mm, And so you didn't need to, you didn't have to deal with that, but you had an ex that was still very much and still choosing in now. How is that dynamic for you? Well, it took a long uh, took a long time to get here. I mean, my uh, my divorce took about seven years. Are you kidding? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> Man, you have a lot of patience. Well, you know, my divorce took seven years. Um, I was very committed to my family. I made very, you know, I I supported her and my kids at home. You know, so I never made them uncomfortable financially. Mm-hmm. I was very. I took that commitment very seriously. Mm-hmm. And you know, she had an attorney at the time who just felt like I was hiding things and not being fair and hiding assets and, and they just drug it out and just dug, dug, dug. And then when I think when the attorney finally realized that I was being completely honest and transparent and I wasn't hiding millions of dollars somewhere, uh, but I really took this, you know, idea seriously to support my family. He got, he backed out. He but backed it took down. seven years. It took seven years. Yeah. Wow. It took you seven know, years. This is an interesting topic that maybe we'll touch on for a minute, but I'm, um, Going through divorce is one of the most challenging. Would you say going through your divorce or going through religion was t- tougher for you? So the divorce versus like getting out of religion? Yeah, or leaving religion. Yeah, yeah I, I think, um, you know, I'm a pretty optimistic guy. So I approach everything with the, the, the cup is always overflowing, you mm-hmm. know. And so um, as, as big of a struggle as the divorce was and frustrating as it was, that was pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I'd probably say I was probably a little harder than the religion part because... I didn't have family 
you know, beating on me and trying to get me back to church. And, and for me, I, I mean, I left it and I left it fast and hard. I mean, I, I, once I crossed over that line of I'm leaving the church, I got, a, I got really far from that line. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I have tattoos now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I, I love have, it. You know, stuff. And You're I, my people. And I, yeah, it just happens. <laughs> but, um, so that, that wasn't as bad and yeah. it wasn't like a, like I didn't have a mental breakdown. It was almost a relief. It was a little bit of a weight off my shoulders and I can actually take a breath and just kind of be who I wanted to be. And I could hang out with people like our friend's family and, mm -hmm. and they just, they liked me for who I was. In fact, they probably even liked me a little bit more just because they felt like, wow, Chris, you're just, you're more relaxed and we really enjoy being around you, you know, and, and, and well, I, you were and being I more that. true to yourself. And Absolutely. I think that was one of the biggest keys that you said is that there was something that felt like you weren't being super true to, to true to yourself. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Yes, I did say that because yeah. I also had some some people in my life who had gone through this journey that I was I was kind of stepping into and asking them questions and learning about their journey and and how they did it and why they did it and and uh and uh and one of the fellas was, you know, this this great guy. He's, you know, I still keep in touch with him, but um you know, when he left the church, he felt like he was graduating to another level. Like, you know, the church got him to a certain point and he appreciated it and loved it. But then he felt like there was more. Mm -hmm. And and then he went out there and worked on this relationship with his heavenly father. And and he looked at it as a, a graduation process. So yeah. for me, it was like, okay, I'm moving on to bigger and better. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm looking out for me and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be true to myself, whatever that means. Yeah. And uh, so it was, it was cool. I liked that part. I would say that that is 100% accurate. I think we could have a room full of people who've left Mormonism, unless they're holding on to anger. I'll put that caveat. I'll put those in another room because, mm -hmm. you know, people who've had peace and healed through it, I would say all of them would say that they have expanded more than they than they could have in religion. Would you say that that was accurate? Yeah, yeah, it is accurate. And, and I mentioned earlier that, you know, I, I, I'm... I'm learning to tune in a little bit more to this, the voice or this, this other, you know, whoever's leading me and, um, and I'm paying more attention to that and, mm -hmm. and it works for me, mm -hmm. you know? So I feel like, yeah, I feel like I'm in a better place for sure. Yeah. Well, you're trusting your own intuition. Really Which can be hard in. sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. How are your kids? Cause if your ex-wife, their mom's still Mormon, how's that dynamic? Yeah. So, um, so it's been, that, that, that's been a hard part, right? Like I said, it took about nine years to get to where we're at today. And, and she was very bitter, my ex-wife, and she was very upset and, and it was a hard, it was a hard thing. And she would try to keep the kids from me to protect them from me or whatever. Yeah. And, and then she would tell the, you know, anyways. So three kids, uh, when, when, when that all went down, my oldest daughter was already married and down the road on her own journey. Um, and then my middle daughter, uh, which is interesting, she's adopted. And, uh, she's just a beautiful, beautiful human. I love her. And, uh, you know, we got her when she's a baby and we raised her in the church. And so she was, uh, 11 or 12 when I left and it was hard on her. Mm -hmm. It was hard on her because, you know, when you adopt a baby, you know, you talk about how, you know, we were a family in heaven before we came to earth and, and that she just had to come through another, mm -hmm. get on a different bus. And then we got her and now she's part of our eternal family. So, I certainly turned her world upside down. Yeah. And that was hard. Mm -hmm. um, and then my son at that time was little. Three or four or five maybe, huh? Yeah, five. And uh, and he just didn't know what was going on. He's like, well, where's dad? Where's dad? What's going on? Yeah. Um, so one of the things I tried to focus on is um, I wanted my kids to know how much I loved them and that I haven't 
I hadn't, that hadn't changed. Um, I wasn't, I never spoke evil or negative or disparaged their mother. Um, I never disparaged the church, never say anything negative about the church. Mm -hmm. I just gave them time to process what was going on. But what I really wanted them to learn too, is that I was still their dad. I was still an awesome dad and I was still a great person, even though I wasn't going to church. Yeah. And, and I think they've learned that they have learned that, um, you know, my middle daughter, Amy, has, has chosen not to go to church. It just, it just doesn't fit her, who she is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and man, she struggled. It was, that was hard. That was, that was hard. Okay, let's talk about hard. Yeah. To see my daughter struggle. Well, our kids, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she, it was hard. She went mm-hmm. through some, some depression, some anxiety, um, some self-harm. I mean, she really struggled. And that was, that hurt. Mm-hmm. That hurt, that hurt, that hurt. And it made me so sad. But I still knew that, but that me being true to this direction I was going would actually be better for her in the long run. And I think it has been. Do you feel like you've changed as a parent at all with being in religion versus now? Oh, yeah. Way less judgmental, you know, way less uptight about certain things. I I wanted to, I wanted to create a relationship with my kids where they could just talk to me about anything. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, well, if you're around our house and all our kids are running around and my beautiful wife, I'm surrounded by teenage boys, mm-hmm. even my wife. <laughs> Not surprised. I mean, it's it's hilarious, right? And I sit there and I laugh my butt off because my son, who's now 14 years old, can really just relax a little bit around me. There's things he can say or do or or act or that he, he can do around me, but he can't do around mm-hmm. his mom because yeah. she still is very like, we don't do that. We don't talk like that. You know, in growing you need up- need to conform and fit into this box. Yeah. In, in my marriage, crap was a dirty word. You know, so I said a lot of fetches and when I was really mad, everyone knew when I was really mad because I'd say, oh, my fetching heck. And people would just clear out because they knew Chris is going to hurt somebody. He's going ballistic. Oh, all my employees and everything. When Chris started throwing down the, oh, my fetching heck, they knew, they knew it was bad Um, because that was the deal. R-rated movies. Nope. Never. In fact, when, what was that one clean flicks when they came out? Oh, yeah. Oh man, I went in there and I'm like gladiator and paint all these movies I couldn't watch. Yeah. It was like best wow. thing ever. But uh yeah, so I think my relationship with my kids now is way more authentic. Mm-hmm. Um my oldest daughter I think is not going to church, uh which is fine. Mm-hmm. And uh Amy's not. Cody is with his mom and that's great. And um and I'll have to say I think my ex-wife has has learned that she needs to accept our kids for who they are if she wants to have a relationship with them. Yeah. And, I, and I've seen her change a little bit in that regard. Because my middle daughter, when she was struggling and not going to church, it was a fight. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think, uh, you know, my ex-wife finally decided that, okay, if I want to have a relationship with Amy, I have to let Amy be Amy. Mm-hmm. And they do have a relationship. Mm-hmm. Right? And, you know, it's funny because my daughter will come over and say, oh, dad, mom saw the tattoo the new tattoo oh, no. and I got the look, uh, you know, or dad, I, I'm going to get a nose piercing, but oh boy, uh-huh. it's going to be a thing. And, uh, and it's, you know, but I think now their relationship's a lot closer, yeah, a lot closer. And, and I'll have to say, um, something shifted in, in, in my ex-wife when I started dating Rachel, hmm. um, they, they get along, they talk, they, oh, nice. they're, they're, it's like a, a mutual respect. And, you know, even if we're going to be gone, 
you know, Rachel's son, who's 15, that lives with us, you know, she'll take him and he can stay or hang out with Cody. And That's it's awesome. just a whole different dynamic now that just makes life easier mm-hmm. for the kids, for us, for everybody. Mm-hmm. It makes it so much easier. Yeah. You know, having exes that fight and battle and try to jockey for position is just, it's not healthy. It's not no, good. It's but not it happens good. more it often does. than it doesn't. And, and everything that you're saying and then your story that you're telling, you're, you're such a heart-centered human being. I don't know if you realize this or not. I'm sure you do. You're very do loving and by nature. Sometimes. Well, not even that. But the thing at heart-centered doesn't mean being emotional. Uh, it, it just means that you're always operating from the place of seeing good in people. Yeah, that's true. And so, and being patient. Like, you knew your answers. And it was like, I'm willing to be patient with this, even though it hurt your heart with your kids and looking at where you're at now and, and operating from that place of coming from a place of love. I think it's quite beautiful to see, to hear your story and where you're at now. I know for me, my relationship with my kids is night and day different in such a beautiful way. Our house is the house that all the kids come over and hang out at because they are, they can be themselves here. And I think that is something that is, is refreshing the more and more of us that are opening up to who we are and like being authentic to who we are. We're, we're giving our kids permission to do the same. And that, I mean, if that's the only thing I really teach my kids in this life is just to be authentic to themselves, that's a pretty beautiful thing, I think, that we can do. And, you know, that's exactly what I was thinking. Uh, You know, we rewind a little bit to when I felt like I had the strong impression that me leaving the marriage and leaving the church would be good for my kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's people don't get that. It's hard for people to comprehend that, that such a negative in some people's eyes could turn out to be such a positive. And, and I, and I do believe I stand by that because I've seen it now, mm-hmm. you know, I've seen my daughters and especially Amy just become her own self and just become this different person. Who's just, she's, she's lovely. She's, she's awesome. And, and probably much happier and much happier. Yeah. I would yep. imagine. Yeah. And then, you know, even watching Cody, you know, he's such a good kid and, and just to see how he can be more relaxed and not uptight and not judgmental. And, you know, he can come over to our house and we're having wine or, you know, we have drinks and, and knowing that the fridge is full of, you know, adult beverages and the coffee makers on the counter. And, you know, in the beginning it was a little weird for him because, you know, he would come home from Sunday school and be told that coffee's a drug mm-hmm. and he'd be he'd come over to my house and be like, well, my dad's still my awesome dad and he drinks coffee. Well, coffee didn't ruin him yeah right or my dad's an awesome dad and he has wine or or a drink or a beer or whatever mm-hmm. and he sees that i'm still a great guy i'm still a good dad and yeah. you know and that, that helps it helps yeah. a lot i know with me when i was going through <laughs> similar things with um, my divorce especially with the way that the church was at the time it felt very selfish the choice that i was making choice i was making to end my family and I was similar to you. I could see that the way that my, the environment was that I was providing for my children was not healthy and that the best thing for them and for me, obviously, was to step out of this and then ultimately out of religion as well. And same thing like you now seeing where I'm at now and them actually seeing what a healthy, beautiful relationship looks like. What a, it, it's been such a gift for me, but at the time it felt there was that almost guilt that I carried of, I knew this is what I was supposed to do, but I was feeling like I was selfish because that, again, that was what, that was kind of what you were taught in religion, at least for me it was. Did you carry any of that? Yeah. It was a very selfish decision I made. Very. And but like that's super okay. bad. It was bad. You don't make selfish decisions. <laughs> yeah, no, you no. should just follow what we tell you to do. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I did feel that. And that was a little 
tough. Um, but you know, I, I, I got over that. I mean, I, I still, no, obviously, oh, yeah, obviously. but you know, but, I, I bring that up because I know, especially from people who've reached out, you know, they have fear of leaving because what's everybody going to think, or they have this, it's selfish. I can't do that. I can't do that to my family. I'm being selfish. It's like, really, are you being selfish or selfless? Yes, this is a very hard choice to make, and you're doing it because you want to be happy. And in the long run, over time, it'll be a better choice. What I learned, well, and this maybe goes down this the marriage road a little bit, but when I would talk to people about my decision to leave the marriage and the church, there was usually like, I'd get three reactions. There's three different type of people that would react to my story. You know, there's the people who married their person who are happily married and married their soulmate and are are in the church and it's the perfect place for them and they'd look at me like well wait a minute you never really you didn't really love your wife you married her anyways you know what was that all about mm-hmm. and then you get the people that were you know sitting in the exact same chair that I was sitting in you know a year earlier trying to figure out how they could get out and I would tell them my story and they'd look at me like wow you really did that you had the guts to get out. Mm-hmm. And then I'd have the people who would, were sitting in my seat but made the transition out and went through that journey. And they were sitting there with their arms open saying, yeah, we did that. We know exactly how you're feeling. We know exactly where you're headed. And you know what? We'll help you all we can. Yeah. You know, so it was just different reactions. And I learned that over time. You know, sometimes you have to be careful who you tell the story to. I don't know if that makes sense. but It does. You get different reactions. And, and at this point in my life, I don't care what the reaction is. But I've had a lot of people come talk to me and say, okay, Chris, how did you do it? What did you do? You know, I'm kind of in this thing, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm happy to share my story and, mm-hmm. and tell them whatever I can tell them. Yeah. I know one of our closest friends, when she found out, she came running over to my house. And her biggest fear was if we, my ex and I, could get divorced, who seemed to have the perfect life, then that meant it could happen to her. And it scared the shit out of her. It's like, <laughs> that's not my problem. <laughs> Right. You know, it is interesting because usually people react um, from a place of fear when they react negatively towards something that you're choosing to do. Yeah. At least in my experience. And that's why your friends are, it's awkward for your friends to come around. Or after I'd left, if I was to show up at my best friend's house, who was, you know, my neighbor, it would be weird because mm-hmm. they, they, would, they wouldn't know what to say. They wouldn't know what to do. They would try and help me by helping me come back. And it was just a weird, awkward thing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's okay. So what would what would be some advice or tips that you would give anyone that's going through any parts of this, either just leaving the religion or marriage or any of it? What would be some some wise Chris words that you would impart? Wow. No pressure. Wise Chris words. You know, um and you've said a lot of wise things on this podcast, <laughs> Maybe, yeah, but just yeah, kind of yeah. to wrap, kind of to, trying to you know wrap it up. What would be a few things that you would you would love to leave in this podcast? If there's a long pause, we could probably pull that out, right? Yeah, <laughs> you could just edit. Like I just didn't have to think about it. And if there's nothing, yeah. and that's totally fine too. Yeah. You've said a lot of things, but you know where you were just talking about how people come to you. And it's like Chris, how did you do this? What would you say was one of the, your fundamental, how did you do this? You know, I'll have to say, you know, one of the things that really helped me a lot <clears throat> was, for one, um, I've, I've learned in my life to not have regrets, right? I, I've, I've never, 
you know, I just don't have regrets in my life. And that was, and, and so, you know, when I look back at the 25 years I gave to the church and, you know, as I mentioned before, two of the best decisions I ever made was to join the church and go on a mission. Mm -hmm. And I stand by that. And, you know, I don't look at the 25 years I gave to the church as a, as a mistake or as a, mm-hmm. a bad thing. It's a, it was a great learning experience. I mean, I really like who I am today. Mm-hmm. And part of who I am today is that elder Shurian that <laughs> did all those things. Or yeah. I was a young man's leader. I mean, I had some great young men, and I influenced them, and I still run into them. So I have no regrets. You can't have regrets. Mm-hmm. You just have to you know, face forward and keep going. And yeah. something good, something's going to happen, whatever it is that happens. So no regrets is one of them. Um, in no way, shape, or form, I'm a hater of the LDS Church. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I, I mentioned this earlier. I'm a fan. I think they do a lot of great things. Yeah. And uh, and I don't bash people. I don't try and influence people to leave the church. You know, if that's their decision, their choice, then you know what? That's what they do. Mm-hmm. And who am I to say they should do something different? Right. Um, <clears throat> Uh, you know, being true to yourself. A lot of people say that it's a it's a it's a buzzword, and uh, and it's hard to figure out what that is. It's hard to figure out who you are and who I am. And so for me, it was kind of living my life over the last nine years and 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 seeing who I was and what I like to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I bought a Harley, and we love the Harley, and that's just part of who we are. Um, I didn't jump into, I didn't force myself into any other relationships. I just, I knew that there was a path for me. And, and when Rachel came in my life, it was perfect. The timing was perfect for both of us. You know, mm-hmm. we had, we had been down, you know, we both separated and divorced about the same time and kind of went down different paths and those paths prepared us for each other. Yeah. You know, um, uh, I had something else really profound I was going to say, and I totally forgot it because, you know, I'm old now and I forget things. <laughs> Well, the true being true to yourself, I think, is a really beautiful um, thought to leave. And one of the ways that I found is a lot of time and reflection of of figuring out. And we haven't talked about this before, at least with exes, is you learn what you don't want <laughs> so that you know what you do want. And some of that exploration of coming true to yourself is that exploration. Like, you know what? I don't like, and some members that do leave do a little pendulum swing or a really big pendulum swing to figure that out. And, you know, to your point, everyone has their own path to each their own and it's all, all serves a purpose. Yeah. And you have to ditch the guilt. That'll be my, that'll be my last thing. You got to ditch the guilt. Yeah. I mean, you just can't have guilt. I mean, you have to realize that, you know, just because the Mormon church says you can't do this, or you shouldn't do that. You know that may not be how you believe, and you can't be, you can't feel guilty about yeah. that. Like I, you know, if we drink wine or go to a bar and have drinks, you know, in the old days it was programmed to be that's bad. Yeah. But you just have to forget it. You have to just realize that you know there's there's you know there's a, a thousand ways to skin a cat, mm-hmm. and I think there's a thousand ways to live life and be happy, yeah. and and no one has that cornered. You know, no mm-hmm. one has the Mormons don't have that that path cornered. Mm-hmm. The Baptists don't have it. The Catholics don't have it. It's just, you know, there's so many different ways to get to happiness. You just have to f- find your way and go for it. And don't regret what happened in the past and don't feel guilty that mm-hmm. you're doing something different than what that particular yeah. church teaches. Yeah, and I would, in fact, I may title this podcast, is, but the patience piece I think is huge with everything that you've shared and, and even with what you're saying right now, I feel like, you know, being patient, patient with yourself and whatever that process looks like is, 
is very helpful because there's no right or wrong way with how that and shedding the guilt takes it's unwind it's unwinding wiring that's been programmed through belief systems that you chose into and that takes some time it does take time and you can't really force it just Mm -hmm. go with it and if you're confident in the direction you're headed then you just kind of work through the the muck and you get through it yeah and surround yourself with good people hell yeah you know so it's good people that that don't judge that don't have an agenda they just want to they just love you for who you are and Mm -hmm. you can just go be that person yeah agreed is there anything else you feel like you want to share no you know i i I, this is a good story i like this story you know i like this story and uh and you just said something a minute ago that that resonates with me is you know there is no right or wrong you know what works for me may not work for you Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you're wrong and i'm right right so you know that helps me get through life quite often actually yeah you know, I mean, unless you're talking politics, then there's, you know. <laughs> we'll we'll save that for another podcast episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have you on with Jessica and I. That'll <laughs> <laughs> be a good time. For that sure. would be entertaining. If we can do the podcast and gifts, I'd be really, that'd be really great. I'm a good gifter. One thing that I did want to ask is rewinding a minute, because you say, you know, I didn't regret going on a mission. That, I mean, that was a very clear answer for you and that path that unfolded for a very long period of your life. And you don't have any regrets with that. Looking back, what did you feel like you gained from going down that path? Wow. You know, the mission experience is powerful. And if you're out there serving and and helping people try and live a better life or or bless people with something that some knowledge you have, I mean that's it's powerful. Mm-hmm. And uh I mean I'm a I'm a different person today because of my mission. Yeah. You know, I'm more confident, I can talk to people. Um it, it was just yeah, and I, I don't know. It, it's it's just, it's really, if you go out there and just be unselfish and just go out there and work your butt off to serve the people and, and try and make their lives better, there's a lot of things that, good that happen in your life. Mm-hmm. And I've, 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 yeah, man, that's an experience I wouldn't ever take back. It was oh, awesome. awesome. I feel sorry for the kids that were out there that, that were struggling, that, were, that didn't want to be there, that were just doing it for their parents. I mm-hmm. mean, my advantage was it was my decision. It was very much you know, decision, yeah. and, and I did this all on my own. So for me to see some kids saying, well, I didn't come here because I wanted to. My parents forced me. I'm like, well, that's dumb. And they struggled. Yeah. And they missed out. You know? mm-hmm. and, um, and I saw some kids where the this, this switch flipped. You know, Midway through, they're like, wait a minute, this is kind of cool, and this is a good experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, funny story quickly, but my MTC companion, uh, I only had two American companions on my mission. Oh, really? Uh, one was the MTC and one was my very last companion. Oh, I had 12 wow. others in between that were all Brazilian. And, uh, and it was funny because he was super, you know, he was there because his parents told him. I mean, the night before he checked the MTC, he had his last cigarette. You know, he had the hair that was kind of borderline, not missionary, quite approved. But, <laughs> you know, it was funny. And, and I just, he and I did not like each other because I was like, the rules, the rules, the rules. And he was like, eh, whatever. And, uh, and, the, and the funny thing is, is now the tables have turned a little bit. You know, <laughs> he lives here in Utah. He lives not far from here, actually. And, and we bumped into each other several years ago into each other and, and had that conversation. But, uh, you know, his mission was a, a point for him. He told me, he said, Chris, I hated the church. I hated you. I hated the mission training center. Mm-hmm. I hated it all. I went out to Brazil. I had a couple experiences and it just switched. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, that, and that happens yeah. and his path is that, and I'm, and I'm, it's good. I appreciate mm. hearing his story. Yeah. That's super cool. Well, awesome. Well, thank you. Chris. How long have we been doing this? Um, 58 minutes so wow. far. Time flies, huh? It does fly. Yeah. 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 It's been fun. I like, I like telling the story. I really do. Well, it's a beautiful story. 
It's been fun to get to know you. So yeah, so a now we bit. can go out and drink and yep, and Let's do it. Have a good time and get to know <laughs> each other and invite our other friends over and I'm in. Let's do be, it and be non Mormons. <laughs> enjoying life. <laughs> yeah, enjoying life. I love it. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Appreciate well, you being here. Thank you. This was fun. I was uh, looking forward to it, and then I got a little nervous, and and now I'm glad we did it. Me too. Well, thank you. Sending you all so much love. Thank you for joining us today. Man, each time I have one of these interviews and these stories that are shared, they are always so beautiful and so touching. I hope that something resonated with you. Maybe it was an answer to something that you are seeking. You can find me on my website at amandajoyloveland.com for more information or more conversation there or on social media at amanda.joy.loveland. Have such a beautiful day and remember you are not alone.